0: Are listening to the Lit and Lucid Podcast brought to you by Yuhu Brand. Here's your host, Lucy and Jared.
1: Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid Podcast. We are here recording with Christina Di Giovanni. She is the editor of the Emerald magazine in Northern California. Thanks so much for being on the show, Christina. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. We're excited. Um, So Emerald Magazine is a publication that's both online as well as in uh, Northern California and Boston. So you can pick Uh it up in those two cities. It's a consumer-based lifestyle publication showcasing modern cannabis. So they have a lot of really cool, interesting stories about new companies, a lot of women-based companies entering into the industry, different innovative products, uh, things like that. And then a lot of lifestyle posts as well. Uh, So it's a really cool magazine. She started in 2012. Uh, Christina has a background and BA in journalism from Humboldt University in California. So after she finished college, she decided to start this publication and she's been running it ever since. And I know that she has a pretty interesting story about kind of how she entered into the industry and why she chose to create this publication. So maybe you can touch base a little bit on that.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I never saw myself uh, a couple of years ago, you know, I never envisioned myself running a magazine or anything like that. I was majoring in journalism from at Humboldt State University and, um, you know, kind of, kind of like a lot of people that live in the Emerald Triangle, you know, you get involved in the cannabis scene, maybe you're trimming, maybe you're, uh, you know, cultivating or, or doing something that up on the hill. And so, um, you know I basically started my first trim job I remember was my junior year of college and then just kind of meeting a bunch of people on the hill I met uh, my boyfriend and his name should I say his name well <laughs> it's Scott I'll just say his name is Scott um, so yeah we you know he was a cultivator out in Humboldt County and he was from St. Louis, and so, you know, he would travel back and forth in between the two, and essentially, one day, he was coming back to Sacramento on an Amtrak train, and he was profiled by the Reno Police Department. Uh, they step on, uh, in, so under uh, the Reno Drug Task Force, they step onto the train, because I guess it's a notorious corridor for trafficking. Mm-hmm. They stepped on the train, they looked at my boyfriend, they said, oh, you know, you fit the profile, so they basically called him out, asked him if they could search his luggage, he said no, Uh, they did anyways, and they found bulk currency in his bag and they didn't arrest him but they seized his money they served him forfeiture papers and they called law enforcement in Humboldt county we were living together at the time and they looked at his driver's license and they recognized arcata california so they called the humble county drug task force they came over to our house i was still in college I was in my last semester of school and um it was in january so the semester had just started um, and, you know, at 9 a.m., I get this very abrupt pounding on my front door, and so I wake up, and the entire Humboldt County Drug Task Force is standing in my front yard oh, They've got their uh, bulletproof vests on. They've got their guns strapped across their chest. It was literally like a scene out of a movie. I was shocked. I was also, like, in my pajamas. So, (laughs) I was really shocked. And and I felt so bad. My my landlord actually lived next door. And he was kind of, you know, he was an older guy. And he was very scared. He was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And it's just like, oh, no. So they asked me if I knew... um, if I knew who Scott was, uh, you know, and, and what he was doing on a train. And so they asked me if they could enter the home. I said, no. And they basically told me they're like, we can smell fresh growing cannabis in there. And even my landlord was like, no, I just did a walk through. They're not not throwing anything in there. And like, they're like, doesn't matter. We're coming in. So they came in. I was detained for five hours while we were waiting for a judge to sign a search warrant. Um, But in the meantime, they had gone through the entire house. The only place they hadn't gone was the attic. And when the judge signed the warrant, they went into the attic, and there was more currently in the attic. But we weren't growing any cannabis at the house. Um, We had some cannabis at the house, but that was legally acceptable under our 215s, or our medical license at the time. Um, So, yeah, basically I was arrested for... Possession of marijuana with intent to distribute um, I had a, uh, a Brown paper bag from the grocery store that was full of trim old trim that I should have just thrown away uh, But I got harboring a room for drug manufacturing because of that bed um, And I I also own a firearm so I also got possession of a firearm in the commission of a felony so I am hauled off to jail. They um, seized the money in the attic and I was only in jail for a couple hours. I got bailed out that day. But in between the time that the district attorney served me my forfeiture papers and the time of my arrest, about $15,000 went missing from what was reported from the DA. Oh. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 a business on both sides, no matter how you want to look at it. Um, so, you know, there was about a dozen officers at my house that day, so... Whatever happened to that missing money, I don't know. I did call in on the local NPR station one time when the sheriff was on, and I, I called him out, and uh, he was like, I would like you to call my office, and I was like, huh. no, that's all right. I mean, like, who am I going to report the police to, the police? Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so, that's wild. I mean, yeah. and that's and that's sad, too, you know, when it all started, to handing him his forfeiture papers from the start, and that's... I mean, it's there for a reason, but not when they abuse it. And it sounds like a total position where they just abused it and took your money and leaving you kind of hanging.
2: You know, it it was really, it was really sick. You know, I felt at that time like a victim from law enforcement. I mean, who was protecting me from the police? When I got out of jail, they left my bong in the center of my bedroom floor with one fat nug in it. (laughs) And then they also left a twenty dollar bill. Now they had thrown all my clothes on the bed. They had thrown everything out, tossed everything around. They left one twenty dollar bill laced through a red thong oh, right yes. on the bed. Oh my that gosh. That is all that they left. And so it's like, you know, but you know, I mean, so I got an attorney. The attorney, of course, you know, knows the guy, Who knows the guy. It's a small county, everybody's Everybody knows someone. So nine months later, I had all of my charges dropped.
1: Wow. I, had,
2: I had all of the money that they seized from my bank account because they opened my wallet. They took my, my debit card. They're like, for seizing all your funds. Oh my so God. I got all of that money returned and I got my firearms back. Wow. So <laughs> the only thing that I didn't get back was my cannabis, which I asked them for. But I mean, I got everything else back. It took about nine months. So... My, my sort of therapy at this point, because it really was traumatic, you know, going yeah. through this really yeah, did take a toll on me. I couldn't sleep at night. I mean, I lost, like, 15 pounds. I was, like, so stressed out during this. And the magazine, while I was sitting in jail, I thought, you know, I'm majoring in journalism. The pen is mightier than the sword. I should start a platform for the little man. To have a voice, because what's sad is that even though I was a journalism major, I felt like the media portrayed me as a criminal. My mugshot was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was guilty before proven innocent. It really made me almost disgusted with my own, you know, Mm -hmm. industry, my own media industry. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to create basically a happy platform and to eventually show cannabis in a positive light and to show that we're not all these degenerates these criminals that we're made out to be you know by the by the mainstream media mm-hmm. and so that's the inception of the emerald magazine was was coming out of that experience now i didn't initially i wasn't initially a cannabis magazine it took time to get there mm-hmm. first of all for pretty much the first year I had an open court case. So that's something to consider. And I was online for, for I think half a year and then I went quarterly and then I went monthly, but I started as, um, just a general lifestyle magazine Mm -hmm. for the, uh, for Humboldt County, for the Emerald triangle, because, uh, you know, it had this negative cannabis perception, like, Oh, people only go there for cannabis, but really it's a beautiful place. Um, They have uh, the Smith River up there. There's fishing. There's the ocean. There's the Redwood Forest. I mean, it's really a magical place up there. And so I wanted to prove that this place is more than just the stereotype. Mm -hmm. So I slowly build and, like, I built and during this time I, I had to train myself you know I had to learn InDesign I had to learn Photoshop things that I didn't necessarily study in college because I was a broadcast student mm-hmm. so you know when it comes to Final Cut Pro and Adobe Audition you know I trained on that software but when it came to Illustrator I had to teach myself so you know I mean that was kind of the hurdles because you know I wasn't proficient in those areas and if you look back at older issues it's kind of a parent that I was learning as I went along. Um, but, but you know, I had a mission. I, I didn't set out to do it for money and and I don't think any publisher would set out to do it for money. I mean I did I did I did it because I was so upset and disgusted with how, you know, people in this industry were portrayed and there's just so many wonderful entrepreneurs in this industry and so many, you know, great women in weed and, you know, all farmers of all genders and everything like that so i really just wanted to capture that and not have you know the grungy stoner cannabis publication
1: right and i think you do an amazing job of that
0: thank you absolutely and i'm scrolling through right now and it's like super clean like looking at it just like makes you feel good just looking at the page i mean it's super inviting i love it you've done great
2: thank you thank you well i mean and lucy i mean it takes great it great takes great people to build it. you know i mean i definitely could never have done this on my own it takes you know talented writers that are passionate about it you know and and graphic designers and and people to sell advertising you know that believe in the product that Mm -hmm. you know truly believe in in the mission of the emerald to
1: create a positive perception for the industry right absolutely it's great
0: Sure. Yeah, and I, and I like that you showcased that because I'm sure when all those cops came busting down your doors, they just pictured you as some grungy stoner and they had those stereotypes in mind. And I'm really glad that you've kind of like rose from the ashes like a phoenix and, you know, came out with this publication to show the other side. And even though you have went through, you know, personal struggles yourself and, you know, I can't imagine, you know, living that way and having to you know, deal with that stress. And then to come around and then you know, be a voice of those exact things is pretty incredible on its own. And I really do think you've pulled it all together nicely and you're really showcasing the, the, you know, the better, the finer side of cannabis. Oh, well
2: thank you so much.
0: I, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, so what have you learned so far on your journey? I mean, like you said already, you've had to learn a lot of skills um, that you, know, you know, didn't know before and those are part of being you know, an entrepreneur. You have to kind of wear many hats. Um, How has been that uh, journey for the past, what is it now, almost six years now?
2: Yeah, you know, it's 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 been a great journey. It's, it's a fun industry to work in, and, you know, there are great people in this industry. And, and I think every entrepreneur, you know, looks back at their time, they're like, wow, if I had only known that, you know, six years ago, imagine where I'd be today. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, the tortoise and the hare, slow and steady wins the race. Because if you just jump to the finish line, you know, I mean, then you might not be able to meet those expectations down the road. And I feel like because, you know, There are other publications in this industry that have, you know, lavish parties, and, um, you know, I mean, they they sponsor major events, and we work, you know, on a more local level, like in the community. Um, I do have distribution back east. Massachusetts, Boston has been a great place for us. Um, I've got a couple magazines in Vermont, Uh, but those are all small, niche communities that, you know, is very centered around... The entrepreneur in the industry so I mean kind of straight off from your question there
1: but well so uh, yeah maybe like address that how is that with you being you know a smaller publications going against you know these bigger companies like dope mag and things like that like how does that go
2: well you know what's great about so I have like a soft partnership with edibles magazine um And, I mean, she's another woman in business. She's running her magazine, um, and she's about to develop her edible line. And what's great about us and why we get along so well is because we both have this female lifestyle brand brand feel to us, our competitors are the stoner magazines. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great demographic to go after, and someone's got to feed that niche. But High Times, Culture, Dope, they really do all complement each other, and that's great. And they're over there catering to that demographic, and there's a wide opening over here for brands like the Emerald Magazine and Edibles Magazine to come together and to work with other uh, female brands, you know, people in the industry that are trying to portray it, um, you know, not as the stoner. So, I, I mean, it's a great time to be in the industry. It's a great time. Oh, sorry if you heard my dog barking. Um, it's a great time to be a woman in the industry right now. But it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's all very excited. It's it's coming very fast. And I mean, we had we're stronger in numbers i would say edibles magazine and i we teamed together to do an after party in las vegas for mj bizcon and it was amazing i mean we you know we work within our budget and we have sponsors uh, we rented out a suite at the Palms Hotel, and you know we had over a thousand people RSVP. And and we don't have these huge budgets mm-hmm. like High Times Magazine, but we definitely do speak to a different audience than they do. And I mean, I went to the High Times party; it was amazing. I mean, talk about setting goals, mm-hmm. you know. And and I mean, and we we all know each other behind the curtain. I mean, we know the people from Dope Magazine, we know Marijuana Venture, and we're all. You know, we're all in it and, uh, you know, publishing is, it's a challenging industry, so, you know, you've really got to have your, your digital game on, on point to compete, but, you know, I mean, together behind the scenes, we're all, you know, we all know each other. We're all friends. We're all kosher with each other.
1: So, yeah, absolutely. I think
0: that's what's cool about the cannabis industry in general is that everybody has, you know, their niche in their market, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, setting up shop and going after it and, you know, finding your, I guess, finding your tribe or finding your people. And that's one cool thing that I've noticed from the start is that people then, like you said, you know, with Edibles magazine, people band together and they find synergies and they move forward. And it's not about the money. It's just more about finding the people that are, you know, like minded that, you know, sharing the same ideologies and, you know, the viewpoints. And I think that's incredible to watch out of this industry of, you know, how it used to be the stoner, you know, stereotype and then see these things that are totally not stoner stereotypical things coming out of the woodworks I mean, edibles for one. Has went from brownies to like very lavish foods and like nice you know fine dining and all that and i would have never seen that and same with the magazine <laughs> culture too so it's cool to kind of see that all come together now
1: mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely yeah Well, and it's great the kind of stories that you're doing because you are it is women focused, it seems. And you are really focusing, you know, on the smaller companies, all the you know, the different stories that you had. I think you had like the Grow Sisters on. um, You had Mary Lazarus from Sweet, uh, Mary Jane's Kitchen in Colorado, just a lot of smaller companies. And you're giving them the spotlight, which is huge for them. I mean, it's a lot of opportunities they wouldn't get. They wouldn't be able to, you know, just call up Dope Mag and get in the magazine, you know
2: we definitely are very responsive. Like when people reach out to us on social media, you know, we're, we're there on the other end and, and we are interested and, and we realized, you know, especially I've seen coming from the Emerald triangle that, you know, it is a fight to get your brand up, to fund it, to, you know, develop it, to carry it out. And so, you know, everyone in this industry can use as much help and promotions as they can get. And not everyone, you know, can pay to market that, but they have a great mission, you know, like, My mother, she had lung cancer and so, you know, for a while I was developing Rick Simpson oil on the side. And so it's just like there's a lot of great stories out there that, you know, need to be told. And so we always do try to listen to people that send us an email or reach out to us on our website or anything like that. You know, we've got our calendar up there and Mm -hmm. if people can can reach out and work with us and
1: so yeah yeah. I mean I can say you know from first-hand experience you guys are great to work with and I was just thinking about that about the themes like it's awesome that you guys put the themes up there in advance because it's just giving everybody else you know an equal advantage to be a part of your magazine which is huge so maybe you want to tell us about a cool feature that you've done recently or maybe something you know coming up a really interesting story in the industry that you'd like to share
2: well, sure um i mean i'll talk about our december issue that we've got coming out which is pretty exciting it's the outlander issue and we highlighted people in the industry that you know have conquered um different times uh along their journey through cannabis um liz cameron she's the first openly gay UFC fighter in the ring. I mean, she was in the Marines. She did a couple tours over duty. She's got a new hemp line coming out. Um, you know, she's she's really a hero across, across the board in many industries. Um, then we've got Tim Blake. He's the founder of the Emerald Cup. And, you know, he started the cup. I think 15 years ago when, you know, nothing like this was going on before any of the other competing events. And, you know, I mean, when things were still very much in, you know, behind the curtains and and no one really spoke about what they did. Um, And, you know, that takes a lot of courage. And last month, you know, our our issue focused on like senior citizens. And, you know, that's that's another area of people that, that we've spotlighted again to just really prove that, you know, the stigma is changing and that anyone in this industry that's, you know, participating in any way, whether they're eating an edible or they're taking a toke, you know, I mean, they're standing up for their beliefs. And so we're really just spotlighting, you know, you and all the people in this industry that just really make it hit home for us.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, like, how do you feel the support is around you, you know, having a cannabis publication, you know, especially since kind of everything went down and now you kind of are moving forward from that. How does your family and friends feel about it?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because I actually got sent to a boarding school in New Jersey when I was like 14 or 15 for smoking cannabis. I got <laughs> sm- I got caught smoking and and I wouldn't stop. And so my parents were like, we're sending you away to school. And so they sent me to this all-girls boarding school right outside my grandparents' house in New Jersey. And you know what? I really do think if it wasn't for boarding school, I don't know if I would have had the discipline to, you know, put it all together in the end. I, I mean, boarding school, I really do attribute to a lot of, um, you know, a, a huge part of who I am today um, and the fact that I'm able to kind of keep structure um, Because, you know, we had a routine in boarding so it wasn't like a military school, but it was, you know, I mean, you had a routine, you had to go to class, you had to get up at this time, you had physical exercise at this time. Um, So it's kind of funny. I mean, they definitely accepted it. They're very happy, you know, that I've got a job in my degree outside of college. I'd say that that's what they're truly proud of. Um, And they've accepted it, that it's a cannabis magazine. (laughs) Um, And, you know, they kind of get into it sometimes. Like, my mom will call me and she'll be like, because they live in texas uh-huh. so they're like um you know they're like oh i saw this thing on the news today and like it's called cbd and <laughs> then, you know or i don't know so and then they read the magazine and they you know they learn from it so you know my mom asks me questions sometimes which is so cute that's
0: awesome <laughs> that's great. my parents yeah. are kind of similar there. are they were kind of against it and against it, and then out of nowhere, I, my mom was doing the same thing. She was like sending me all these articles on Facebook one day, and all curious. And I'd go down there now, and it's just like more questions now than than anything. So it's kind of cool. Well,
1: yeah, I had a funny one too when those pictures went out with the cannabis bride shoot that we did with the cannabis weddings. um, one of, my, one of my family members like saw it online and we're super Catholic and it came around to my grandma and they're like, she's online smoking weed like in this wedding dress. And like, oh my goodness. All this stuff. And like thinking about it now, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess like, you know, like strict Catholics probably see that and want to have a heart attack. <laughs> but I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's showcasing, you know, what modern people would do. Like for me, you know, if I ever had a wedding, I, you know, cannabis or alcohol wouldn't be, you know, my drug of choice I I would prefer to have cannabis there and that brings up a whole other host of you know issues for other people but you know it's good to kind of showcase that that's you know what people are thinking about and looking to do in the future yeah
0: yeah absolutely yeah cool well this has been a blast getting to know your magazine and learning about your story Uh, i you know I really appreciate how far you've come and kind of the I guess the side of, of cannabis that you showcase, I think it's a very good side to show. And it, I think more people need to know about it. So uh, I love what you're doing.
2: Well, thank you so much. And, and I hope, you know, in 2019, there's there's a few new markets that I want to branch into um, in New England. So I hope that the people all over can, can find us. You know, I, I hope we can grow. And I hope the industry grows too. I mean, working uh, alongside a bunch of these cannabis companies, you know, I see, like I was saying, I, I see the struggle and I... I think that, you know, we all push through it together. I mean, we're all in it together. I think that's something that, you know, I want to say, like, on my note leaving is that it really does – sometimes the industry does have extreme highs and extreme lows, and – knowing that like we're not going through it alone does help. Uh there's a great newsletter that I subscribe to, Women of Cannabis.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um and I just love it. I mean she she's so spot on with with the points that she's coming up with and she's like, "Hey, I know that like your social media account got shut down." Well, like, "Hey, we've been there before, you know." And I mean, just her points are really great. I really like it and and that's that's something I want to say is we're all in it together. And it's definitely, you know, we've got some road ahead of us. So Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, so how can people find Emerald Magazine?
2: Well, um, you know, of course, we're on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then on our website is TheEmeraldMagazine.com. And, you know, if people want to reach out to me directly, they can just send me an email. It's editor at TheEmeraldMagazine. Send it to info at that'll go through. Um, And then, you know, our number and our numbers on the site and our our mailing address is on the site. So
1: we're out there. Yeah. So if any listeners have any cool stories or so there's some cool entrepreneurs out there who want to get in touch with Emerald Magazine, please do, especially if you're in Northern California. I think it's a great opportunity.
0: For sure. And a lot of the new states coming on board. I know we just we've had a lot of interest in Massachusetts just here recently with uh, new legalization. And, you know, if legalization is coming around in your state. I would really encourage you to check out Emerald Magazine to look at you know, what the culture may look like when cannabis is finally legalized in your state and see how you can be a part of that culture change as well. I know uh, Christine would be a great uh, resource for you to try to progress those things in your uh, local community.
2: Thank you so much, guys. Yep. Uh, it's been a
1: pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Okay. We'll be in touch soon, right? Yep. And with that, I'm lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it.
0: Later. <laughs> this episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with Yuhu Creative and Design.
1: YouHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs.
0: YouHoo, helping your company become who you need to be.
1: If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at Creative at gmail.com.